Can we get the grip over here? Okay, good, good, good. Okay, we're, we're recording. Aaron and Siobhan, back again, the Trouble Feature Podcast, episode three. What we do on the Trouble Feature is we talk about movies. Mm-hmm. I'm a film school dropout, and Siobhan is a film school major. And what we love to do is just talk about the things we're watching. And that's why you're here today. On this special episode, we normally pick two double features that are quite distanced from each other. And we like to take the threads, put them together, and talk about what's interesting. With this particular episode, we want to talk about one director, Wes Anderson. And for many different reasons we'll get into. But particularly, we wanted to watch these two films, The Royal Tenenbaums and Darjeeling Limited. So with that being said, what's the connections? What's interesting? Where do we go? You start us off, Sean. All right. Um, so The Royal Tenenbaums is, I'm not sure exactly which in order came out by, um, or it came out in 2001. So I'm not sure in what order all of his films came out. but tells us the story of a family who is trying to mend back together when they when their dad convinces them that he's dying because he wants to get back into their lives. Um, and then Darjeeling Limited is just the story about three brothers who also are trying to mend their relationship uh, with each other, whether they know it or not. Oh, that one came out in 2007, so definitely came out a few years after. Um, but definitely very, this is a common theme in Wes Anderson movies for sure i don't know if he's been to therapy about this yet but he talks about family quite a bit that's a great question i think with wes and he's spoken before on several youtube clips you can find them our interviews talking about how most of his screenplays and his movies deal with things he's dealt with in real life the authenticness of it all Mm. i think what's so interesting about both these films is just the family swaddles which is something that we may know intimately as we're in the same family Yes, that's so true. This is like, it's such an appropriate theme. Exactly, exactly. And I think what I love how they tackle the two, which again, I probably my favorite is Darjeeling Limited, just a movie that I've seen several times throughout life. And again, as I've watched it as older, I think that message of really like living life without a loved one, which is becoming more of a reality as just people you know get older, my family gets older. And those things, you start to really think about that intimately mm-hmm. i love how this movie kind of tackles that in a very whimsical way yeah and i believe if you really sit down to watch it and you try not to get into the seriousness of it all that life is fragile right and like what do we do when someone's gone and you really go on the journey of it all like i think that's where you get out of it it's like so great it's like the journey keeps going mm-hmm. i really think that's what that movie is about as the characters learn about it yeah and then the Royal Tenenbaums, which is also just true to the heart, is just those family squabbles run so deep. Mm-hmm. And you almost cannot escape them yourself until you start to contemplate what happens in life without this person. And right. again, um, Gene Hackman's character is kind of forcing the issue on that. Um, <laughs> yeah, But right. it, it gets in some great shenanigans in that movie. Anything else you want to just talk about kind of laying the groundwork of the two movies? Are talking about family squabbles in general or just more about the characters and the families of each film? Definitely. Um, I think you make a great point there. Wes Anderson is definitely known for his style, like how stylistic he makes his films. And that particularly like the color palette, pastel look, each movie has a different palette. And I think that he does a really good job of talking about serious issues or just like 
I don't know, addressing, um, yeah, serious issues through something that seems whimsical. And like there's dark subject matter, there's very real situations, especially if he's basing it off of his own life. But then it's told through this, like, through comedy and through the lens of like something that seems so much softer than than it is. Like I can't imagine watching a Wes Anderson movie in black and white. It's probably going to be a completely different experience. But he does. There's a lot of common themes of, like you said, loss, um, growth, leaving the past, um, and specifically with Darjeeling Limited, how complex, like complex relationships with your siblings and how real that is. And I think that there has to be so much real experience in there because it's can both of the films are very accurate to family dynamics. So there's a great scene in Darshan Lane Limited that's kind of close to the beginning where um Owen Wilson's character meets his brothers, Adrian Brody and Jason Schwartzman in the train and he's kind of really the older brother really taking the reins even though nobody asked him to. And yeah. You know, they're all sitting down and he's making the comment like, okay, you're getting soup, you're getting soup. Um, that just felt so real and so yeah. authentic because when you come from a big family, there's always that one person who just takes that role. Yeah. And then later on in the movie, they finally meet up with their mom. She's like a nun. And she is like, you're having this for breakfast. You're having this for breakfast and raise your hand if you want scrambled eggs. And they're all like just pissed that she's doing the same thing, but they like raise their hands slowly. Cause like you just, it's like family, like you learn to live with each other. Uh-huh. I think what Wes does a great job because these feel like caricatures. They feel like mm-hmm. they are inauthentic, but if anything, I felt closer to them, um, which right. is how nutty they are and their behavior. I'm like, I've seen that behavior. <laughs> Those Literally. are real people. Yeah. And I, I think that screenwriting is always so good. Like I think he, the whole, all of his scripts are always so quippy and sarcastic, but he has a, and sometimes there's a scenario where it's like, okay, people don't really talk like that. But for the most part, I think he does a good job of understanding how people actually talk to each other and not what they should say next because they're in a movie. You know, one other point I want to get us to next as we're talking about family and those dynamics is in both movies with both sets of families, they're dealing with this theme of isolation. With the Tenenbaums in particular, um, Owen Wilson's character, Luke Wilson, and um, the other person I'm missing. Who plays the sister? Oh, Gwyneth Paltrow. Gwyneth Paltrow. <laughs> God damn it. We should check our notes before we do this. They all have these secrets from each other, right? Like they all feel isolated in this way. They have these secrets. Even their dad, Gene Hackman, has these secrets. Like that's very isolating. Like they almost don't know each other. Yeah. Um, but yet they know everything about each other. Then on the flip side with There's Nothing Limited, um, there's just this deep isolation of um, feelings after again having a loved one passed mm-hmm. and, then, and then the literal location right very um lost in translation you're just in a new world and yeah. that can be isolating but if anything that movie feels very inviting i wanted to go to that picturesque um india that they were in so any thoughts on isolation definitely i think so in darjeeling, darjeeling limited specifically they talk to each other one of the lines that owen wilson says in the beginning of the movie is this is what we're here for. We're here to trust each other. And he's like kind of forcing this spiritual journey to where they're eventually going to learn and trust each other because they all know, they don't even know that Adrian Brody's character was Peter. He doesn't have 
he's his wife is like eight months pregnant and none of them even know but that's the thing they know everything about each other and nothing about each other and the whole thing i would say the whole general theme of that movie is sibling trust um and then like it's not something that they find until they go through this whole spiritual journey with each other but i like there's like one scene i think when they get kicked off of the train and they have to walk to um wherever they can go and then they had they try to save those boys in the river and peter the guy the little kid that peter's supposed to save dies and then they get invited to go to his funeral and at the funeral there's that kinks song playing strangers or whatever and i think that i mean the soundtracks have to be so deliberately like picked out because there's multiple songs in darjeeling alone and in world Bombs that the lyrics are basically telling the story like strangers on this road we're on we're not two we are one and then at this point they are getting closer to each other than ever before because they're actually experiencing things and understanding loss which is i think what they don't realize until after they see what like this whole village went through losing this like one young boy and then realizing what that would mean for them in their own relationships. Yeah. And that's a fantastic 15 to 20 minutes of the film where really hands you the theme and make sure that you digest it and understand it. Right. One thing you brought up is the soundtracks. And again, it, it's a little easier when the double feature is by the same director. Right. <laughs> However, I, what I want to bring up is kind of the internal versus external worlds. And just, again, how does that soundtrack live within that world? And I think you kind of spoke about it already with um, the lyrics actually becoming like a character of itself in the scene. Mm-hmm. Is there any other comments you want to make on like internal versus external worlds? Yeah, I think that, so obviously there's diegetic sound and non-diegetic sound. I forget the <laughs> term for what that is. But they Wes Anderson does this a lot where like, there's, I think one of Paltrow at one point in uh, Royal Tenenbaums is listening to that one Neil Drake song, Fly, like, and she's listening to the record and it's like basically telling the experience of what um, Richie has just gone through. Like he just tried to commit suicide and that grief that everybody's experiencing, it ends up being a record that Margot's listening to. But in the sense of an internal or, or that would be like internal and external a good example of that but in Darjeeling Limited it's almost as if the brothers are living in this internal world where they're only concerned about themselves and how they're going to get out of this situation what they're going to do next in their own everyone's too concerned about their own relationships um and meeting their mother all that thing and they don't they're not connected to the external world which is just everything else going on around them like the beautiful, like they're in India and they're supposed to be on this spiritual journey because that's what Owen Wilson's character has planned for them, like on the agenda, have a spiritual awakening. But it's not until they find that with like connection with each other that they can tap into the external world and seeing what's going on around them and experiencing like the community and the culture and everything that comes with it, I guess. Yeah, very well said. I, I think we've spent a lot of time talking about Darcy Limited, which um, to me is kind of a little underrated, but it's just yeah. such a beautiful film and that external world that you're seeing in front of you, mm-hmm. like that's the magic of it all. And again, it's just a, a movie where I can spend 90 minutes 
in India, in this West Anderson, India, and just enjoying every aspect of it. Yeah. It's crazy how short that movie is. It feels like it goes on. It, it says so much in mm-hmm. such little time. You know, one other thought with kind of the external world. So like another note we wrote down is just kind of the significant others, the relationships within the movie, not just within the family, but those external family are significant others are really important to kind of how that plot moves. Again, Darjeeling Limited, as you're kind of speaking, it's like they're on the outskirts, right? It's not necessarily in front of you on screen, right. which I always find really interesting. But in the world of Tenenbaums, it's very in front of you. It's, you know, Owen Wilson's character and his shenanigans himself is really yeah. kind of part of the plot. and. Um, Donald Glover in himself is kind of why Gene Hackman is is doing his behavior within the movie. Right. Trying to convince his family he's dying so he can get back into their lives. <laughs> Sees right through it. Exactly. So that was another note I had. And maybe one other final direction I want to take is kind of this idea about living in the past. And I think both these movies do a really interesting and distinct job of how they get to that point. Um, you have written down man, children, and children of adults. <laughs> yes. So I, I'm going to let you have the floor to that one because it's an interesting point. So Wes, this isn't even just for these two movies. This is like, I feel like a common theme that Wes Anderson brings to a lot of his movies. Obviously this one, um, all of the brothers in the Darjeeling Limited are just basically grown man children. Um, they're adults that act like children um, because of those like sibling quarrels that they get into and they're like wrestling with each other and getting kicked off of planes and you know crazy stuff like that and then um gene hackman's character in or i guess royal tenenbaum he is the exact same way he's a just a grown-up man child and he can't uh move past that like i would i would say childlike wonder but it's really just like immaturity in general i think a lot of the main characters or protagonists in his movies do this like uh fantastic mr fox steve zizu um these are all characters that are are holding or in even in the newest um asteroid city there's so much fear and danger that comes or i guess danger that comes from living in the past and they're all trying to cling on to something that they had and it because they're afraid to move forward um and then on the opposite side, all of the children in Wes Anderson's movies act like grown adults in like the the Tenenbaum siblings in the beginning. They're like the most advanced and intelligent that they are in their whole lives. And they're respected as like elders, even though they're all children. Um, and I like that switch that he does. I think it's interesting. I think that was a very astute observation. I'm glad you had the um, mic to speak about it. Where I want to take us next is kind of the final point I had with just the connections, the threads of why we do two movies. And with the same director, it's very easy. But what's so great about Wes Anderson is kind of the world building he does and kind of with this idea of living in the past is using the techniques he does to kind of get the frame the way it is, get that symmetry the way it is, Mm -hmm. Um, using miniatures to um, manipulate scale, um, choosing between um, medium shots, close-up shots, again, Everything he does is very intentional and direct. Yeah. And there's a reason why we use the term, he's an auteur. I think that's where we, I want to take us this kind of film school corner. And Siobhan is going to speak first about, again, what is a director auteur? Like, why do you want to know what that is in film? Uh, yeah. So I think, let's see, a director is, in general, we all know someone who is in charge 
has final say for the most part, but not really final say, but you know, creative direction. An artor, I think, is someone who is more of a creative artist in general, um, with a very specific vision of where the, the film is going to go and what it's all going to turn out to be. Um, I think that there is a criticism almost that happens with film artors that they have so much creative control that it can go very much in like either direction where it could be a great thing or it can be like they're almost like someone should rein it back a little bit. But a lot of, or I guess, film artors that are well known would be, you know, Spike Lee, Wes Anderson, Juan Kar Wai, Wei, um, Sofia Coppola. Uh, yeah, it's definitely in more of an artistic direction. Yeah, and I think with that direction, it's, just, it's very distinctive. Again, if I just pulled up a shot of a Wes Anderson movie, you could probably yeah, you would that's a Wes Anderson exactly. film. Right. And I think what's so great with him is like he's almost create this like visual language that mm-hmm. certainly, you know, nothing's original. So and he's a great film steward of history as well. So he's pulling this from other places. But he's created such a great visual language that I know exactly when um this kind of shot looks this way in his movie. Right. And it looks that way in every single movie that he has, right? And just really carrying that and I think auteurs can be really fun to learn. Mm-hmm. Um, the part of the discussion I want to have is I think he's one of the most mainstream auteurs we have. Like, yeah, especially for anyone born after you know 1998. Yeah, for real. Um, if I, I asked you to name a director in movies you love, Wes Anderson's probably going to be the first person. So, yeah. I'll give you a little bit of space to kind of talk about like Wes Anderson's place in like pop culture right now. Yeah. Um, no, that's so true. The first day of film school. Everyone says Wes Anderson and Quentin Tarantino. (laughs) Nice. Whatever. But it's so crazy lately. I don't know if it was just with the, you know, um, Asteroid Sitting coming out and there was some hype around that, but there was definitely that TikTok trend that everybody was like, my life, a day in my life if it was a Wes Anderson movie. And I don't know if we've really seen very much of that in with any other specific director. Like I haven't seen a a director-based TikTok trend in ever really but i i see ads now where people are like come or like take a vacation in this house like as if you were in a wes anderson movie and they do the pastels and the symmetry and sometimes they hit the nail on the head and a lot of times they don't but it's interesting how influential it is that's wild and first off i know you probably said sofia coppola on your first day <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I I said, other i'm different okay. yeah i'm different have you seen her have you um, seen you know, I, I did want to mention that because it is wild. And I think, sure, if social media is around in these other periods of time, the 20, the 50s, the 70s, they would have picked directors from those time periods and they probably would have been more mainstream like this. But mm-hmm. there's just something about Wes Anderson. And even it really gets meta where you see like the AI art is creating like Harry yeah. Potter in the Wes Anderson style. I saw Star Wars in the Wes Anderson style the other day. It's crazy. Right. So... Wes Anderson has such a hold over his autoriness of his distinction mm-hmm. that it's like, you can even do that. And I think right. that's what's amazing to me. Um, I do have another point I want to make about this yeah. too. Um, just like him being a, a film artor in, in general. I, on the first episode, we were kind of talking about how an artist has ideas, you know, that, or his, an artist's mind is kind of like a vault and they have a specific vision I feel like Wes Anderson is like definitely one of the directors that 
drives this like or takes advantage of this every chance that he gets and he uses like his creative like his artistic style to to portray the visions and um cat my sister your wife she was saying, you know, <laughs> shout out, friend of the pod, if you will. Friend of the pod. Um, she always says she's like, she le- She introduced me to Wes Anderson movies, which is funny, but she always says that she's tired of them and she doesn't want to watch them anymore um, because, you know, he it's overdone. Mm. And I like, I totally get that. I think that it might be to, you know, that dollhouse style of storytelling. He has all these like crazy imaginations and like, it could it could be too kitschy sometimes for some people, um, but I think it drives that point home that like the more a, like that he the bigger of a platform and more funding he's been given, the more we like see just how far he's going to take this specific style that he has. And a big ex- like criticism that he gets for that is like style over substance. Is this movie good or does it just look pretty? And we're just like fascinated watching it. But I think he does a good job of like there's emotional undercurrents in all of his stories that are very complex and very real and i think he does a good job writing like in his screenplays about it too um that like he's able to tell this story through this like perfect little world that he's created and um i love that i think there's something to be said to that other than you know it's controversial but but it's impressive certainly i, I think that's a great interlude because if I was an artist, what I'd want to do is explore the world I want to build. Yeah. And that's what he does. And I think a movie that we've talked about um, off the pod is like the French dispatch where Mm -hmm. it was just a little bit different and a lot of people didn't like it. Yeah. However, again, I think that's the plight of the artist, right? Is I make the art that I want, people don't like it. Right. I make the art that the people want, people don't like it. So I should just make art. And that's what he does. Definitely. You know, I think, um, kind of a pivot because I do think his movies they all have a special place in like my heart as Mm -hmm. well and I think with the oversaturation I think that's more of just again because there's just no movies available um besides Marvel films (laughs) people just start making their own are these big blockbusters so when you have a very distinct auteur like himself um yeah his movies really stand out yeah so with that being said Ashford City you saw it this is why we want to do the pod on him Again, what stood out to you? I loved Asteroid City, actually. Um, it's he it's another example of him, and this is I think the like most clear example where what he does as a director or like an artist or tour is like definitely breaks the fourth wall. And I think that we were just saying this that Darjeeling Limited and maybe Bottle Rocket are the only ones that like just tell you a story. They're not trying to but Wes Anderson likes to remind his viewers that he's tell he's showing you a movie he made a movie and he's it like curtains close or a book opens or chapters are shown that consistently remind you like i'm showing you a work of art right now i'm not trying to recreate real life and asteroid city was like the perfect example of that it was like a direct it was a movie about a director who's directing a play the play doesn't even really have an ending to it but it still had this like strong themes of fear for moving forward, you know, living in the past. And I think it was, I don't know. I think that I liked it better than the fresh, fresh French dispatch. <laughs> I think, you know, he brought it back. He did a classic story with a great cast and 
hit the nail on the head in every sense of that, like breaking the third, fourth wall and, and showing us, um, an artist's journey, I guess. I don't know. I thought it was good. (laughs) No, it's a movie I haven't seen yet. So I'm excited to see it. I hope our listeners are too. And if you do give us some feedback, once you listen to this episode. Yes, please do. Yeah, I think he's going to keep making movies. I'm keep going to be excited to watch them. And yeah. that's what's so great about having a director or that you love. On this next segment, we will normally do either a table read or we'll dive into another director or we'll do some kind of fun discussion that we enjoy. On today's episode, I'm just going to tell you what we've been watching lately because um, yeah. we've done a lot of research for this episode and we have no table read today. So if you have one for next double feature, let us know. Yeah, let us know in the comments. So what I've been watching lately, and this was very unintentional because I kind of chose another tour, which is Waki's Demi. Um, and this was probably more for the prep of seeing Barbie at some point, which maybe we'll do the Barbie Oppenheimer double uh-huh. feature on the pod. But the two movies, The Umbrellas of Sherberg, The Young Girls at Rochefort, those are great movies. <laughs> and if you want to really watch something that has a very distinct style, that has inspired other film directors, again, even Greta Gerwig, as even said this, like those movies inspired yeah. my visual palette. I think they're well worth the watch. And the Umbrellas of Sherberg, again, is just such a fascinating piece of art and how it's a musical that's just one song. You have to see it to believe it. There's really no words to describe it. Um, that's what I was watching lately, and I'm glad I did. Nice. So, Siobhan, I'll give you the floor. <laughs> I know what you picked, but maybe you have some other things that you want to um, recommend to listeners. So I really wanted to watch Umbrellas of Sherberg because I was talking about it the other day with you guys and I had all these plans to watch all these movies that um, inspired Greta Gerwig um, before I went to go see, you know, Barbie and Oppenheimer. I saw Barbenheimer. So I think that's like a the pr- most like topical, perfect double feature, trouble feature <laughs> we could choose. So when you see it, like that's when we'll address. Well, that's for, for a different episode. Um, so I did see those, but I also saw, <laughs> I don't, <laughs> don't know what was going on with me like, the other we day. like all movies, you can this say. Is, hey, this is kind of a double feature, but I was just not in the right headspace, I had to think really, and I just decided to turn on Shallow Hal the other night, and you know what? Gwyneth Paltrow double feature, first of all, because I had just Ooh, finished yeah. Royal Tenenbaums and then just went right to that one. Uh, but yeah, that was an experience. For me, that was my first time viewing it. And um, it made me think some things. I love that. You know, I don't think we'll ever do a shallow how double feature, but uh, a tangent <laughs> I'll go on another episode is this idea about, I don't think movies can be good or bad. I just think they offer experience. Yeah. And something like shallow how that offers experience. It does. I'm, I'm it, glad you watched it. Absolutely. I was watching it and you know what? I just kept watching it. So <laughs> to the very end. Uh, and that is what a movie is, you know? For sure. And it, again, if you love movies, you watch movie. I'm saying, I'm saying. So for our next double feature on next episode, we're going to do these two films, um, the Casablanca and a new contemporary film from 2023, Past Lives. We're probably going to talk about this idea about love triangles and romance mm-hmm. and kind of see where that goes. So watch it with us. And then when you listen to the episode, you'll maybe have some points that we missed and you can give us some feedback. Mm-hmm. That's all we have on Wes Anderson and on the double f- um, sorry, the Trouble Feature podcast with Aaron and Siobhan here. <laughs> the Trouble Feature. We will have guests at some point. We'll do different things, but I hope you're enjoying the experience. Thanks, y'all. Thank you.